Hello, I'm Jesse Wolls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Psalm 104, so you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. After reading the passage, we'll hear the children's talk. So if you have children, make sure they're listening. And then we'll go to the sermon. So here's Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Let's lift up our hearts to receive God's word. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He sets the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness and it is night, when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which he forms to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. 
May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. I've got a couple of pictures to show you. Okay, here's one picture. What is it? It's a mountain, yes. Is it a real mountain? You say no. What, what do you think it is? It's a drawing. It's a painting of a mountain. That's right. Now, here's my question. Did this painting happen because there was an earthquake and there was lots of paint tins that were up there and there was a canvas on the floor and the paint tins all fell down because of the earthquake and just amazingly did it happen where all of those paint tins, they opened up and then they perfectly formed this just accidentally, no one behind it. Is that what happened? No, okay. You don't think that that's what happened? Hmm. That's interesting. How did this painting come about then? Ellie? Someone painted it. You sure? How do you know? Because it's impossible for an earthquake to paint a picture. Huh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, let me ask you, this person who made the painting, what do you think he could do with it? Could he throw it in the bin if he wanted to? Oh, okay. Could he sell it if he wanted to? Could he hang it on his wall if he wanted to? Could he give it away if he wanted to? Why is he allowed to do those things? Why is it his? Oh, he made it. He made the painting. So the painting is his. So he owns it and he can do what he wants with it. Okay. Let's see. What is this? The most delicious cake ever? Hmm? Now, here's another question that I've got. Did someone discover this cake in the oven because a great big explosion had happened and that explosion had opened up the oven, turned the knobs of the oven to just the right uh, temperature and this earthquake, this explosion had caused all of the ingredients to rush into the oven, into a tin, sort of stirred it all up and made the cake just like this. Is that what happened? Was there a big explosion that caused that cake to happen? No. Really? How do you know that? Did, did you see this cake being made? So how can you know that there wasn't an explosion that caused the cake to be made? There's someone different who wants to answer the question. I've got three same hands every time. Hannah. That's impossible for an explosion to cause a cake to cook like that, isn't it? It's impossible. So someone has made this cake. Okay, someone has made this cake. Now, this person who made the cake, could they decide, well, you know what? That's not good enough. I'm going to throw it out. Could they decide to do that if they wanted to? Could they give it away to someone if they really wanted to? 
could they decide to eat it all themselves if they wanted to? Why would they be allowed to do that? Because it's theirs, that's right. They made the cake, and so it's theirs. They made it, they own it. All right, here are some books. I want you to imagine that you come across a book. Do you think that that book was made because, uh, let's see, that there was a tsunami, a huge wave, and that huge wave had grabbed a pen and the lid of the pen, because of the force of the wave, had come off. And as the wave is going along, it finds some paper and it just sort of stirs the pen into the paper and sort of starts making scratches which are like words and all of a sudden it comes up with an incredible story. Do you think that's possible? No, because the paper would be wet. Okay, let's imagine this is really special paper which is waterproof. Could it happen even then? No? Why not? Huh, because it's impossible. I, I don't think they could happen even a very small chance. So someone wrote the story, didn't they? You come across a book, someone wrote the story. You know they wrote the story. Could they decide to just keep that story to themselves. Decide, oh, I won't bother sharing it with someone else. They could do that, could they? Or they could decide to sell it, could they? Or they could just decide to show it to one person and that be it? Yep. Why? Why would they be allowed to do that? Because it's theirs, because they wrote the story. When you make something, you own it. Whether it's a painting, whether it's a cake, whether it's a story, if you make it, you own it. You are the boss of it. You are its ruler. You are ruler over it. And, you know, that's exactly what the Bible has to say about this world. The Bible says that God made not just a painting of the world, but God made the whole world. God made the whole universe. God is its maker, which means he is the ruler of it. He's its maker, which means he's the owner. He's the ruler. Now, we're in Kids Talking in Sermons for the next few weeks going to be thinking about the big story that we have to share. We have a, God has given us a story to share with the world. Okay, And here is part one of the story. Part one of the story. God has given us a story to share. Number one, God made and rules the world. Okay? Can you say that with me? We have a story to share. Part one, God made and rules the world. We have a story to share. Part one, God made and rules the world. Okay? We're going to be thinking about that more over the next few weeks and adding on to our story. So let's pray that God would help us to share that story. Let's close our eyes, hold our hands, make sure we're being quiet. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us such a great story to share, that Jesus has come, that right now we're thinking that God has made the world and he rules the world. God made and rules the world. And so help us to share that part of the story with people this week. 
We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray as we come to God's Word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us a message to share, uh, that your Word is clear on who you are. And so please help us, give us wisdom to see in your Word how we can share this message with other people. Uh, Please open our hearts, open our minds, that we would believe and that we would share it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a man walks onto the oval dressed in white. Another man, also dressed in white, walks past him with his own bat. The man who's walking out, he has a bat. The man walking past him has his own bat. And he's wearing protective gear. He's got some pads on, he's got helmet, gloves. And in the middle of the oval, there are two sets of sticks sticking up from the ground. Why is he there? Well, he's there to play cricket, isn't he? He's a batter, and his task is to make runs. He has faced down bowlers from his own team. He's been preparing for pace attack and spin attack. He's been preparing for anything that bowlers might send his way. Christians, like that batter, we've been given a task, a mission. More than making runs in a cricket match, we are here to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. That's based on Jesus' words to his disciples in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This is a significant task we've been given. And if Jesus himself has given us this task, don't you think that we should take the time to be prepared? Peter says, In your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Are you prepared? We need to be prepared. People who love Jesus want to talk about him. They want their family and their friends to know the truth, to know the story uh, which explains where they've come from, why they're here, and how to escape the disaster to come. When we read of tragedies that are happening, like in what's happening in Israel, we want people to find hope in the only one who can actually give it. Love for Jesus, love for family and friends, demands that we be prepared to tell them the story of the gospel. We have a message to share. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be thinking about that core Christian message. This is Christianity 101. This is the basics. Exploring the key elements of our faith so that we can then be faithful and share them with others. If you're not a Christian here this morning, it is a good week to be with us and I hope that you'll come back over the next few weeks. The first element of our faith that we need to be clear on is who God is. So the first element of our message is, God is the loving maker and ruler of the world. God is the loving maker and ruler of the world. And so first, let's explore the idea that God is 
maker. If you have Psalm 104 open, uh, have a look at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. And verse 5, he set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. This is the message we have to share, at least the first part of it. God is the loving maker and ruler of the world. He deserves our praise, our honor, our love. Notice the Bible doesn't spend any time trying to prove that there is a creator. It takes it for granted. Just like the kids took it for granted. A painting requires a painter, and a cake requires a baker, and a story requires an author. Creation requires a creator. And Psalm 104 presents this creator in all his glory, all his greatness, all through history. The question has never been, was there a creator? The questions have always been, who is the creator? How did he create? And the answer to the how question has almost always been, all throughout the history of the world, in in all different parts, it's almost always been through violence or sex or both. In ancient Greece, Gaia, the female earth deity, was married to Uranus, the male sky deity. Uranus, he was threatened by their children, the Titans, and so he threw them into Tartarus, the depths of the earth, Gaia's womb. They beat on the walls, causing Gaia pain. And so she arranged for Kronos, one of the Titans, to escape, and he came to the sleeping Uranus and castrated him. And the story continues. In some mythologies, humans are the accidental production of Uh, from, from the blood of the gods while they're warring with one another. In others, humans were deliberately made as slaves to uh, do the work of, uh, to, to be slaves of the gods, doing the lowly work that the gods didn't want to do. And today's more modern mythology is just as violent, just as demeaning, just as fantastical, just as unbelievable. Once there was nothing... And that nothing exploded and became everything. And over time, things stuck together, forces operated, life came from non-life, there was a survival of the fittest, nice, lots of violence there, and eventually humanity came to be the dominant life form on earth. Next week, we'll think about how that story impacts your view of humanity and on meaning and purpose. But for now, let's think about God and what it means that God is maker. As you trace your way through Psalm 104, you can see that it it kind of follows the plot line of Genesis 1 in a very poetic way. We see light, the sky, the waters gathered, plants, the sun and moon, birds and land animals... Everything was made by him, placed in exactly the right place. He is our maker. Last week, I had a conversation with two atheists who who walked into the church because they wanted to see the building. They especially wanted to see the windows. We had a conversation about why, why they were atheists. 
And for them, science played a big part. They couldn't see the need for God. They didn't think there was evidence to prove him. See, they were proving what Paul said in Romans 1, verses 18 and 19. They, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. See, they could tell, I asked them, they could tell that these windows, they had a designer. I pointed to that plaque over there, and they they knew that someone had written those words. But they refused to see that their DNA required an, an intelligence behind it. Even though our DNA has enough instructions in a unique language to fill multiple collections of encyclopedias. They were perfectly nice, well-versed in scientific issues, but as Paul continues in Romans 1, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I don't know if they'll ever come to the point of acknowledging that there is a God who made them. But here's the thing. The existence of a creator God is plain. It is written everywhere. It's like a kickboard at the pool. You can try and keep it down, but eventually the truth just has to shoot up to the surface. And that truth did pop up in our conversation, which I'll talk about next week. But look out for those moments where the knowledge of God comes through. Where actually what they say requires a God to be behind it. When they talk about design and meaning and purpose and right and wrong, we'll talk about some of those things next week. Because many ardent atheists can't help speaking as though there was a a guiding force behind evolution. That things happened deliberately for a reason. Things developed this characteristic for this purpose. Now, I don't agree with evolution, but if they said something like that, I'm not going to argue about evolution at that point. More important than how it happened is that God is the creator and they know it. But not everyone's like the atheist. More likely, you'll come across someone who's happy to acknowledge that there's something spiritual out there, that actually they're spiritual, they're not, but they're not religious. They don't hold to a particular religion, but they're they're spiritual. What do these people need to be convinced of? Our second idea, because God is maker, he is ruler. God being the ruler of all creation is a major theme of Psalm 104, and not just Psalm 104, but but everywhere in the Bible. He hasn't just set up the world and, and its processes and then left it to its own devices. But God has... Ruler is a sticking point for our spiritual but not religious neighbours. They'll acknowledge a spiritual force out there. Maybe they'll be happy to call it God or they'll call it the universe or the eternal spirit. They might think that that force can be tapped into to bring about what you desire. Maybe you tap into that force through prayer or declaring what you want as if you already have it through meditation Maybe it's through through crystals or herbs, incantations. Some of you read the paper every day. I'm sure that you have noticed in your papers the horoscopes. 
And you might think that it's just a joke. But some people have, a lot of people really, have based their lives on those predictions. When I drive around, I've I've noticed more and more there are these A-frames on the paths and by the roads of businesses advertising tarot card readings and palm readings. These activities are increasing because atheism isn't satisfying. We know that something is out there. We can't run from the fact that there is a God out there and so people have decided to try and domesticate God. They imagine they can manipulate him so that they can get from him what they want. But you see, God isn't just a a force to be manipulated like in Star Wars. He is ruler. He is king. And that's a reality which is shouted repeatedly and joyfully throughout the Bible. Psalm 95 is just one example. The Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. He's not just a distant king, setting up the universe and then leaving it to its own devices. Have a look at Psalm 104, verse 14. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and and plants for man to cultivate. See, grass and other plants, they don't just grow. When you plant a garden, it's not just growing randomly. God has established the process, but he is the ultimate cause of every single shoot that comes up from the ground. Verse 21, God is the one who provides food to the lions and to the sea creatures. Everything looks to God for its food. Jesus said that a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground unless God wills it. See, this is the doctrine of providence. God is providentially in control of every moment, every event, every scientific process. And like we saw in the kids' talk, it's only logical that if you make something, you own something. You own it. When you knit a cardigan, it is yours until you give it away. When you build a table and you join the legs together and you sand it and you varnish it, it's yours. This world is God's. Every single person belongs to God. Now, that idea that God is the sovereign ruler over everything, every event, that presents us with some questions, some problems that we need to answer and think through. If God is so in control, how could atrocities like what has happened in Israel, how could they happen? We'll get to that question. We'll mention it slightly more in a in a few minutes, but we'll think about it more in the next couple of weeks. And it'll turn out, without this God, without the God of the Bible, we actually have a worse problem when it comes to evil and suffering. See, our culture hates the idea of God as a ruler because every day we have breathed in the air of individual choice, of autonomy and self-expression. Our culture can't stand the idea of being judged for sexual activity or or, uh, inclinations. 
of being told that their self-perception of their gender is wrong, that abortion is wrong, that we should sacrifice for others, that we are not the lords of our lives. And so it's only natural, with, with us breathing in this, this air of, of individuality and of, of autonomy, it's only natural that we would invent a God or, or a form of spirituality which places no demands on us. We, they, they believe in a, in a convenient God, a convenient God who is always their cheerleader, who would never judge them, who'd never uh, imagine that, that he should give rules to them because that, those are the waters that they've always swum in. But we have a better message, not a vague God out there who's our cheerleader, who will give us what we want occasionally if we uh, put enough positive thoughts out there. In this first section, we're uh, remembering that God is our loving maker and ruler. He's intimately involved in every part of our lives. He has made us with a purpose. We don't need to invent a purpose for ourselves. We don't need to find our purpose for ourselves. It's not a mystery. He has told us what our purpose is. 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Romans 12 verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Our neighbours live for their own dreams and passions. But we know the God who made and rules the world. He has designed us. He has given laws for us to follow. Not arbitrary laws. Not laws to flex his power. Remember, we have a message to share. God is the loving maker and ruler of the world. And so let's explore that that last idea. God is maker. God is ruler. God is love. Did you see the love of God in Psalm 104? Look at his provision. Verse 10, you make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. Verse 13, from your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. In verses 14 and 15, he causes grass to grow for animals. We saw that, plants for man to cultivate. Have you ever thought about how kind God is to give us the, the sorts of food that we have? He could have created the world in such a way that we had tablets which would satisfy all of our nutritional needs. We take one tablet every couple of days. They could be flavorless, just go down, no issues, bare sustenance. He could have done that. But instead, he has given us an incredible variety of foods, all with different flavors and and colors, textures, smells. And then you combine these things to create masterpieces. Last week, I was reading a book which said that our eyes can discern seven to ten million different colors. God is an artist, and he wants us to see it. You go back to Genesis 1 and 2, the the creation of the world, and God's delight in his creation, his joy, just flies off the page. 
God sees that everything that he makes is good. It says it over and over again. He saw that it was good. The trees with the variety of fruit that they hold are good. The sea creatures, the birds, the land animals, in all their varieties, as they reproduce, they are good. But there's one thing in creation which wasn't good. Can you remember that? Even before the fall, even before sin, there was one thing which wasn't good. Adam was alone. And so, God parades the animals in front of Adam. Why? Yes, so that he could name them like he was told to do. Maybe even God wanted to show Adam the the wonders of his creation. Say, hey, look at this. Look what I did for you. But I think especially God did this. God paraded these animals in front of him to make Adam painfully aware that he was alone so that when he created Eve, his wife, the joy would be all the sweeter. God is love. This is what John says in 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love, sorry, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. John will say that this love is shown especially at Jesus' death, which we'll be looking at in a few weeks' time. But love was there right at the beginning, woven into the fabric of creation. Because God, the maker, is love. Which is why God being ruler shouldn't be offensive. It's not something to run from. It's not something to reject. Because God is love, we should delight in his rule, in his laws. Because we know that they are for our good. See, he's not a spoiled sport. He's not desperate to cause us pain. He wants what's best for us. That's a message we can share, isn't it? What do the spiritual but not religious have? They don't have a personal God who loves them. The Buddhist doesn't have a God of love. The Muslim might say that their God, that Allah, is loving, but not even Muhammad could say with certainty that he would make it to paradise. Our God is love. That's a message to share, isn't it? But here's where the pushback might come. Because we've, we've just said that, that God is providentially, he, he's the ruler, he's providentially in control over every moment, every event. So how could he let evil happen? How could the evil on the news this week happen if a loving God like this exists? Well, again, we're going to answer this question a bit more fully in a, a couple of weeks' time. But because he's love, we can know that he will judge evil that has been done against the creatures that he loves. And he will bring good out of the evil somehow, some way. We don't know how, but that's no reason to doubt it. He has done it all through history. He has done it in our own lives. I'm sure we can all or most of us can point to good things that have come out of bad things. And he has done it especially at the cross. And again, we'll think about that in a few weeks' time. But what's the alternative? If you're an atheist, what's your answer to atrocities? See, an atheist can't consistently call anything evil or wrong. Those are just things that they don't like. 
For something to be evil and wrong requires an objective standard, requires a God who has declared it to be wrong regardless of how you feel about it. Otherwise, it's just our feelings. I don't like that, so I'll call it evil. But it's not actually evil if there's no God. The spiritual but not religious can't consistently complain about it either because they don't want a God who sets standards and laws. They have a spirit or spirits who make no promises, offers no hope, doesn't judge evil. See, they long for a good world, but according to their belief system, it's never been that way. And they can't have any hope that it will ever be that way. Do you long for a better world? A world of peace and justice and love? Is that your desire? C.S. Lewis said, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Another world where those desires can be satisfied. We have a message to share. What's our message? God is the loving maker and ruler of the world. He will set everything right. He made everything good. He'll make it good again. Jesus gave us a mission to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Our task is to be prepared, ready to share the message he has given us. And this is just part one of that message. Without this part, none of the rest would make sense. God is the loving maker and ruler of the world. And that is a message worth sharing. It's a message which satisfies our longings and our hopes. We're left with questions. There's plenty of questions still to answer. But again, we're only at part one of the message that we have to share. God is the loving maker and ruler of the world. And so let's pray. Our God, we rejoice that you have made this world, that you rule this world, that you love us, that you love the people in this world. You delight in your creation and you have determined that you will set everything right again. Our God, give us a delight in this message, a delight that... You are the loving maker and ruler of this world. May our love and our delight in this message overflow in us that we can't help but share it. Lord, give us wisdom as we speak with people who think differently, who deny the truth uh, that God has made this world, who think that they can explain God away, who can't see the issues between... uh, being certain that a book was written by someone, but being unable to see that people must have been made by someone. Lord, may they see their own folly. Give us the ability to point out those issues in a loving way, in a caring way, but Lord, to point out where what they're saying doesn't make sense. Lord, the people around us, they have suppressed the truth And so we ask that as we speak to them, that the truth would keep bobbing up, that they wouldn't be able to hold it down any longer, that they would would decide that your spirit would come upon them and that they would come to realize what they know, that God is the loving maker and ruler of this world.
God, give us boldness. And Lord, may this reality give us great joy. May it impact our daily lives. But Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, where we can bring this up in conversation. May we be a people eager to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. May we share the message that you have given us to tell. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.